Hey, welcome back to Intimate Interactions. Let's get back to discussing the ways we share love and intimacy with our fellow humans. Relationships, kink, polyamory, group sex, it's time to unlearn stigma and live our best lives as our best selves. All thanks to my amazing Patreon supporters. Intimate Interactions has no ads but this one. If you want to keep it that way, you can go to patreon.com slash victorsalmon. You get access to exclusive premium content like all of my coping with jealousy stuff. And hey, if that makes you jealous of my patrons, it sounds like it might be time to sign up. Free resources are available at victorsalmon.com slash resources, and book recommendations are at intimatepodcast.com forward slash books. Also, my Patreon supporters don't have to listen to this ad. Now, let's talk about the episode. This session, Jazz Goldman and I discuss group sex while we're walking around at Rifle Bird Sanctuary, feeding ducks, and occasionally getting accosted by gaggles of geese. Nerdy aside, occasionally those gaggles take flight. And did you know the, the word for a flying flock of geese is a skein? S-K-E-I-N. So geese in flight are called a skein. Geese on the ground or on the water are called gaggles. And all three of those states can correctly be called a flock of geese. Okay, nerdy aside over. Back to group sex. We talk about the sights and sounds of group sex, our personal experiences, our misconceptions, and our favorite parts. We also talk about the way we move through group sex spaces and the way those spaces move around us as people of color and non-binary gendered humans. Enjoy. I have gotten you a whole bunch of birdseed. Birdseed. And we can continue talking about all the things. Ducks. Yes, there are ducks and, and geese. geese. Uh-huh. Should I throw it at them? I mean, on the ground? Like, how does yeah, this work? so like take a small handful and then you can just toss a little bit. Their heads are moving. You can just toss a little bit and then they'll, they'll come straight to you. And the alternative is you can feed them by hands. Like that mallard, for example, is super interested in just eating right under my hand. Do they bite? Um, they kind of like nibble because they are ducks. <laughs> yeah. got my finger. Well, I mean, they have like soft bills they're not yeah, gonna like take no, your finger off. I haven't done this in a long time. If maybe ever. I'm not sure if I've done bird feeding. I've definitely so, been to like goat farms and stuff. Considering but, the kind of activities you like to get up to, I don't think a duck eating out of your hand is gonna be particularly painful. No, shut up. It's not. I was just surprised. <laughs> I'm glad you're in I'm glad you're enjoying the the surprise element. They have like a purple um, oh god. They hear the sound. They just want our food. So yeah, okay. So we were talking about group sex. Let me see if I can find a question for you. Make it rain. Okay, so I've found my questions. Um, what would you say are some common misconceptions about group sex or orgies? Um, the common misconception is that, you know, you walk in and everyone is fucking wall to wall. And that it's right, just right. like, you know, some wild combination of Caligula and every sex party, you know, that's ever been depicted in a movie all rolled into one. Right. And the truth is that they're often quieter than you would imagine yeah um, even when they're outside like in a space that's rented with you know proper sound equipment 
Um, I, but having said that, there is the occasional time when you get that like magic moment that you get to, I'm going to boast if that's okay. Do it. So I think so much of, especially that stereotype of like the femme partner that, that like has this amazing, like Hollywood style Meg Ryan on steroids orgasm. Yeah. Yeah is more about the femme being able to have those orgasms than about the masculine person, quote-unquote, giving them. Yeah. But we like to frame it in this really dumbass way that, like, oh, this this guy is so good at sex. But it's like, I don't know. I think she's just really good with her body. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think she just has a really good... So anyways, uh-huh. I was fortunately with one of these femme humans <laughs> and who squirted and had really loud orgasms. <laughs> and we went to the orgy tent at Burn in the Forest, which was then called Lovapalooza. And oh. we had sex in this orgy tent and it was really, really loud. Mm-hmm. And she squirted like a tiny bit. Mm-hmm. And then it was really, really loud again because we just kept going. Mm-hmm. And then she squirted a bit more. Mm-hmm. And we got to like, like after probably about 30 minutes, like we'd gotten to like a fourth or fifth orgasm. And at the end of like the fourth one, she was just like, I think that's it. You don't think we can do anymore. Uh-huh. And I was like, cool. And then we just kept making out and working at things really slowly. <laughs> just being really, like, tender. Like, it doesn't really have to go anywhere. And, of course, that just turned into all-out fucking. And that turned into a really almost catastrophically large orgasm. <laughs> and literally there was a round of applause in the orgy tent. Oh, that's, yeah. And that is just that that femme human knowing their body really well and mm-hmm. just... You know, having done a lot of masturbation with insertion and like mm-hmm. understanding a lot about squirting, but also both of us having been with each other for years and being really in sync with each other sexually. Yeah. Yeah. But I still remember that really fondly and being super proud and just like, yeah. It's, um, it's a special moment when you get kudos or acknowledgement mid orgy. And as someone who has also experienced that. I've I've been clapped at before or like pointed at by other people at the party like yeah mm-hmm. kind of thing um sort of like an unironic uh American psycho where you're like looking in the mirror while you're fucking that sort of feeling of like oh yeah mm-hmm. I had that it's pretty cool mm-hmm. but you got a round of applause in a dome yeah, which is was, like another thing I was so happy about that <laughs> it wasn't even me it was like us that got the round yeah, of applause yeah, yeah. I also feel like a dick for using she her pronouns for this human because they now use they them pronouns but I feel so weird about it because at the time they were very like they were still using she her mm-hmm. I don't know I have weird feels but in any case I mean you were talking about a memory and it's good to acknowledge I mean I felt gross halfway through the memory even using the pronouns because it didn't feel right to me but yeah Eh, so apologies these are difficult waters to navigate and I'm doing my best I feel weird when I talk about myself in the past because it seems like I should say she although it was never really quite true then anyway yeah yeah it's weird yeah it's complex yeah I can hold space for that it is complex totally so well I should maybe be feeding the birds instead of staring at them no no you can do either or and we can also walk on too okay yeah yeah Especially, um, yes. Oh, there's some over there. Right. So there was, we were talking about noise. We were talking about quietness, how quiet things usually are, contrary to popular opinion yeah. or, or miscon- popular misconception. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like, a lot of parties I've been to, um, there isn't as much traditional fucking. There isn't as much PMG sort of shit going on. It's, like, more people being intimate, making out, you know, being naked and touching each other's body which honestly can be just as hot like yes. there's such a misconception about like 
how sex oriented everything needs to be. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. my honest opinion is that you can do the really intimate, um, I feel safe with you, I'm willing to be vulnerable with you, and I'm willing to do like, you know, the first hour of our sexual interactions together, and that may not look like fucking, but the people that you meet at orgies and the, and the relationships that you build can last you a very long time and can lead to some really explosive, amazing experiences once you know each other better. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, that's that's another thing that made my early group sex experiences so fun is that I was always going with, with my team, you know? Like, we would go together. And we often didn't actually play a lot during parties to the point where we, like, had check-ins about it to make sure that it was cool, um, mostly because I'm a wild animal, so, like, you threw me in a party and I, like, forgot everything <laughs> about normalness uh-huh. and just wanted to play uh-huh. with everyone. Um and yeah, we like had to check in, make sure that they were all right with it. And, you know, like we have time to play with each other all the time. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Hmm. I also remember speaking of disrupting a whole orgy. I, I, I remember this one time when I was making out with this woman that I had met at Bidif in the orgy dome and she like touched my face to kiss me and she just paused for a second and was like, your beard is so soft. Mm-hmm. And then she just kept stroking it and she wasn't on any substances, uh-huh, uh-huh. but she was just really genuinely confused at how thick my beard looked and how soft the actual hair was. I, I can relate. I had that thought the first time I touched your beard actually. You had the same thought? I did. I was like, this is so soft. Aw, <laughs> thank you. You can tell right now, switching topics very briefly, how much primary production is happening in these waters because of how much algae there is everywhere. There's like so much green for the ducks to be eating. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's what that skunky primary smell is. Primary production? Yeah, it's like the primary producers, all the all the various, you know, phytoplankton-y, algae, bloomy stuff. It's green stuff. don't want me to feed them. But sorry, right, we were talking about a very attractive human that I was making out with in the middle of Lovapalooza. And they touched your beard. They touched my beard, and it, like, stopped what we were doing, which was being all sexy and fun and making out. I really appreciate the wind through the trees. I'm so distractible when I tell my stories. So she stopped, and she was like, I don't understand. How do you get your beard so soft? (laughs) And I literally said, lather, rinse, repeat. Always repeat. (laughs) And the couple next to us, just like, they're in the middle of fucking, Uh like, dick fully inserted. And (laughs) the woman's on top. She rolls off of the guy laughing. And she's like, I'm sorry to interrupt you two, but I just have to know what dialogue led to that (laughs) punchline. Like, what conversation could you possibly have been having that led to that? So I had to explain about my beard. And then the woman continued laughing, and the dude's, like, sitting there with, with this dripping erection, like, I cannot believe that you just blew up the sex I was having. <laughs> and I'm like, sorry, friend. Yeah, misconception that, like, the parties are only for the fucking and not for, like, normal, excuse me, not normal, for non-sexual human interactions. Like, right. actually, it's a party, too. So people will laugh and overhear conversation and, like, interject and those kinds of things mm-hmm. verbally. People are pretty good about not inserting literally their physical selves into 
other people's configurations without consent. That's actually something I've basically never come across. Like a few people here and there over the years have been like, like they hover a little too much, but then take a hint or ask, like hover and then be like, can I? And then if you say yes, and if you say no, they move away. So that's like, you know, I've been lucky in that sense. But verbally and like conversationally, at parties, people are interacting and it may, having exchanges. It's not just like a lineup of bodies on beds fucking silently until the loud orgasm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I've also been at parties where there was a lot more of that, like, oh, there are four people on the bed all having sex, or there are six people on a bed all having sex. Sure. Um, but that typically happens in intentional sex communities, like the one I was talking about, mm-hmm. where people have a lot of familiarity with each other because they come to the same orgy, and they're all part of the same community. And they may not be lovers or friends directly, but they're, like, lovers of lovers or friends of friends. Right. <laughs> Which just makes it a lot easier because you develop this familiarity with each other. So that's kind of nice. And that is like, again, part of how I was spoiled in my initial stuff because right, right. it was, it was a crew of, of returning characters with new people, like new partners and new lovers that would be vetted and invited in. Right. Which is really significant. Wow. That's a lot of geese. It's a flock of geese. Maybe like a half flock. It's a lot of geese. <laughs> I think maybe all the geese in front of us could, could comprise a flock. Yeah, I think if all these geese were together, they would comprise a flock. <laughs> then one just hopped over a stone. It was really cute. Yeah, it's funny how people use that word comprise. You hear a lot of like, I, I've become okay. Like, obviously it doesn't matter what I think, but I, like, I've, I've become a lot more comfortable with people saying comprised of. Oh, is that? Yeah, that's like grammatically incorrect. Originally it was, but now I'm more of a descriptivist anyway. I tend to just describe the way people speak instead of trying to tell people how to speak. Uh-huh, um, uh-huh. Because prescriptivism can go and die as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Um, at least in any kind of like, like literal or intentional sense in adulthood, because I feel like teaching, teaching a certain, way of speaking so that people remain comprehensible among the generations is useful. Yeah. And at the same time, like, I think people should just describe the way folks talk. Yeah, and at the same time, being a grammar Nazi is oppressive and elitist and wrapped up in lots of supremacist bullshit. Yeah, it's just really unnecessary, ultimately. Come on, duck. You want some? These bitches don't want to eat from my hand. That's okay. Oh, I can get them to eat from your hand. Just let me unlock my phone and check the time here. Just trying to get a sense of where we are. Mm-hmm. Okay, I have basically checked all the things. It is 1.35, so we have plenty of time. Great. And we are currently surrounded by geese in front of a huge pond. I'm gonna try to snap some pictures. Or I'm gonna do video right now because it's loud. <laughs> so just a bit of a detour. 
Don't be a dick, Goose. Don't be a dick. What a dick. Gooses are such dicks sometimes. Yeah. That's why they get made fun. Yeah, but like, I'm happy to feed them if they just like, are really nice. It's, it's just the time of year that we came at, that's all. Okay. There we go. I'm just leading us through the geese. You just have to make piles of food like off to the side and then you have to be confident about how you're walking. Yeah, and otherwise then they, they'll come for you. It's, it's not like they try and hurt you, but like... I know. I can tell they're geese. They're not into hurting people. They can be, especially really? if you come near their goslings. They will fuck you up, and supposedly oh. their wings can actually break human bones. Whoa. Supposedly, that's just a that is something I have been told. It may be an urban legend because they are birds that do fly. So I don't know how that would be possible, but people have told me that. Well, I've they're never also had... like two feet tall. That's not really the thing because they also have like talons. Geese have talons. You're, you're fine. They're not running to you, they're running from the other geese. Wow, there are way more geese here than I thought there would be. You know what it is? A lot of these geese um, are the same geese that I would have seen last time that were like just recently fledged. Mm-hmm. Also, road. for those of you listening for like group sex tips, I'm so sorry that we have digressed and we just got like totally waylaid by a large group of geese, but that's part of being in this beautiful part of the world and this experiencing it. location episode. Yeah, this is just part of trying to do a podcast while you're walking around this gorgeous sanctuary, which I think honestly has improved the experience for me. It's a lot easier to do this while we're doing other things yeah. than it is to sit in a hot room and be really concerned about like how can we reduce all the noise and like make it perfect. Uh-huh. This is a lot more like, well, shit's going to be terrible from time to time and you're going to get a really authentic take of what it looks like. Interesting. So yeah, so I kind of went for authenticity over quote unquote quality in a sense, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but that's more taking the framing of quality as perfection, which is not something I've been, I've been trying to specifically avoid that. Right. Yeah. Good job challenging yourself and finding out it works. <laughs> I'm doing my best to do really experimental stuff with podcasting and think about like how I can, and I know it's not experimental at all. Like a bajillion people have done all of these things before, but sure. for me, I have never had any experience doing this. Right. So I'm doing my best to sort of challenge myself to do things outside of my comfort zone so that I can grow as a podcaster. That's a better way to frame it. Mm -hmm. So we talked about enough about things that we don't like. Right? Yeah. We talked about misconceptions about misconceptions, group sex and yeah. orgies. Um, what, what alternative options or opportunities do you see in group sex sessions over one-on-one -on -one sex? Not that it's a competition, but like what specific things like mark this as like, oh, this is, this is a group sex thing that happens, not a one-on-one -on -one thing that could happen. Oh, well, you know, I think for most people that are not wired the way I am, one sexual encounter in a, in a session, like one sex act to completion, whatever that is, if it's, you know, oral or penetrative or, you know, with toys or whatever, um, is enough. Like, people are very satisfied. Mm -hmm. And 
the thing about group sex is that so much so much collective sexual energy is raised that it, it changes that for some people. So folks mm-hmm. who are not typically able to keep going or do multiple acts in one shorter short-ish period of time will be able to. Um, and that is unique. Like there's just there's no accounting for the Molotov cocktail of of group hormones and sounds. Like the sounds are actually uh, a thing that really affect people in group dynamics that they're not as aware of. Definitely. I'm really into sounds and a singer and whatnot. So like I know what's going on. Right. And lean into that and you know enjoy. And sometimes my favorite moments in parties are when I'm actually just lying back listening. Fuck. That is there. Yeah. There is an an energy or a vibe or a feeling that you get lying back either before or after you've had sex. Like knowing you're going to mm-hmm. or knowing that you just have. And just like hearing, yeah, you just bask and you can hear like sometimes just a couple and some like one or two scenes, I mean, Mm -hmm. and sometimes you can hear like six different sex acts going on at the same time and various moans and like those kind of like gasps and grunts. Mm-hmm. It's it's really visceral and it's really human. Yeah. Like there's something about it that just feels really really human. It reminds me a bit of the the Matrix orgy scene when they're like like this is part of what makes us human. Uh-huh. Really you could see Sensate coming out of the Wachowski siblings uh-huh. during uh-huh. the Matrix orgy scene in like the second or third movie. Third I movie? need to watch Sensate. I I watched the first episode and it was so wretched that I gave up and yeah. nobody bothered to tell me that it was full of queer sex and group sex and things like that. Yeah. But I have been now I've been warned and so I'm gonna go in. And... There there are reasons why Sensate is really good and there are things about it that feel very tropey mm-hmm. and kind of rote. But the way that group consciousness is sort of reimagined in the show for me, I really enjoyed not just the sex, but the way that they ghost in and each out of in and out of each other's lives mm-hmm. and the way they can sort of exert some control over that, but like it's not super clear. Mm-hmm. 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 But we could go on and on about um but yeah, so so and, like the things yeah. the things that are unique to the group right. dynamic versus the one to one, which is actually Sensei is quite relevant to that because it talks about that more metaphorically in terms of like when all of them are having sex at the same time with different people, uh-huh. there is a presence that they each have in each other's minds, and it is very orgiastic. Ooh. So even though they're in different cities in the world and they're in different cultures, they can spoilers. be fucking spoilers. Well, I mean, that's not so much spoilers, but this, the fact that there is sex, I guess, is spoilers if you've been living a bit under a rock and don't know this about you the show. You just described is... a mechanism of the characters that they can be in each other's minds. That's true. Remotely. I think you find that out very, very soon. Oh, okay. okay. Like, that's kind of the whole point of Sense8 is that oh. they all have groupthink, essentially, sort of, but not quite. Uh-huh. Um, but uh-huh. you have to watch it to Maybe find out. Maybe, like, groupthink more along the lines of anti-morphs or something. Do you remember that story? I remember Animorphs from being such, oh my god, when I was so young and there were Yerks that were really just totally ripped off of the last indigenous remnants of SETI Alpha 5 from the Star Trek universe. I shouldn't know that still, Ooh. but I do. Yeah, the mind-controlling brain slugs were a Star Trek thing long before. That's right. Oh yeah, for sure. That's probably why I liked it, because it was just similar enough to Star Trek. Yes. In, in those ways. Cutting back to group sex, though. <laughs> Um, here, let's go this way. Okay, I need to take my coat off, hang on. Yeah. It's hot. Um. What kinds of group sex do you think are currently your favorite? And has that sort of, I'm curious to see if that's changed, if like, what feeds you most 
about group sex is mm -hmm. like you get more out of certain types and if that's changed which I, I guess it kind of sort of has in the sense that you were in that like really intense triad mm -hmm. but you've also mentioned how much that you really get fed by being in three-way dynamics yeah not that we would know anything about that recently uh, uh, um, so what about it now for those listening that is the bag of bird seed I mean, I'm gonna be real honest. I've been solo poly for basically two years now with, with like a few months here and there of, of potential and then explosion. I've had a, a rough patch of uh, <laughs> intimate relationships. And so like, I go to play parties to get laid. And that's always been true. And, and like coming back to what we said in the previous episode about like my my relationship was looked like a swinger relationship in a lot of ways um and that's partially because i've always been a dtf kind of kind of person mm -hmm. um and so like there is a strong part of me that really goes to the parties to fuck mm -hmm. find mm -hmm. the people who are down like me and have and we have chemistry and then let's just bone mm -hmm. and if mm -hmm. i can do that with multiple people in in an evening then that feels like a plus to me. Yeah, definitely. Like at the same time, or um, just with both, multiple? both multiple people in a sitting and multiple people at the same time. I actually like both pretty equally. Awesome. They they register in my mind as like a satisfying experience. Sure, sure. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that's a big thing. I go to parties because I don't have a lot of sexual partners, mm -hmm. so I would like to have some even if it's a temporary sexual partner. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, you know, there is a whole piece of me and sexuality that is much more connected to my spirit and my energy. Sorry, this stuff's lined up all on one branch. It's pretty cute. That is pretty adorable. And I, there's just a need that is only met I play parties in mm -hmm. that respect mm -hmm. and that I don't feel like gets tapped into in any other kind of way even though I've been not monogamous and like right. have have had and and will have an abundance of experiences mm -hmm. connected to that <sighs> yeah I I am I am of the camp that really believes that this is what we were meant to be doing which is not a prescription for anyone else but I do think it was like it's part of our innate nature to be in group sexual dynamics and there is a part of me that feels that super intensely when I put myself in those environments I there's like some part of my heart spirit is like ah oh, this is this is the stuff this is me as a human you know I think I think for me what needs I get met are like those needs of not just autonomy and independence which I think a lot of people assume are the needs I'm getting met mm, like oh mm -hmm. you just want to be super free or you don't mm -hmm. want to have commitments etc etc mm -hmm. and I'm like well I'm super happy to have commitments of doing this um, I'm super happy to have commitments that are in line with my values yeah, yeah I'm super yeah. happy to have commitments to be in relationships that look the way I want them to look mm -hmm. um, but a lot of people interpret the word commitment is following this normie script around being quote-unquote exclusive right um which is all bullshit it is it's, it's such monocentric bullshit and i'm not crapping on monogamy here people can have that be what commitment looks like to them there's just a 
a plant that looks like a straight up dildo. Yes, that is a, um, I forget what they're called. Like ball sack and shaft, folks. It is essentially fluff out of what looks like it might be some kind of, it's a water Water plant. reed. Yeah, it's like a water reed that's like six, seven feet tall. If you know what these are called, you can always send an email. Should but I take a picture? If you want, sure. Yeah, keep talking. Um, what was I gonna say? We were talking about... The autonomy is what people Thank assume. Thank you. But, but like part of the need I get met is understanding I just really want to be in this, you know, group sex environment. I really want to be a person who's really comfortable with, you know, their own sexuality and has all these all these people in this community that are all practicing, you know, rel like safer sex and that to some extent I can find um you know, a risk profile to share with some of those folks where we right. feel like it's safe to be with each other. It's not like I want the whole community to be up to quote unquote my standards, you know, or... You just or, want to find a good amount of people who are yeah. in your wheelhouse of standards. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, just the shared community feeling. Absolutely. Like, mm -hmm. just being around another bunch of people who feel the way you do about group sex mm -hmm. is deeply enriching. Yeah, I completely agree coming up on strangers so we might have to change the subject and um, we can talk about community though yeah um yeah having that sense of community is really important for me because it fosters a sense of getting my needs for understanding and connection met and i think that's super valuable yeah yeah i mean like that that can also be connected to the question about misconceptions mm -hmm. it's a misconception that you don't find those things in a, in a group dynamic right absolutely people would typically not think oh yeah i'm gonna feel a sense of community or belonging or right. acceptance or understanding or love or caring and like it's not like people change all that much necessarily in group sex situations. Sometimes they do change a lot. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and I find the more normative they are in their cultural origin story and the less time they've had in alternative sex <laughs> cultures and the less time they've had in alternative sex cultures, the more that tends to happen where they have all these assumptions about coming into this group sex space oh, this is just about fucking, like it's not about any of the other human needs. Yeah. And the more you're in an intentional sex community and less you're in like a completely full of randos, um, like free event. Free for all. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like a free for all event that you go to that's like, oh, I've never seen these people before. Mm -hmm. The more that changes in the same way that if you're in, if you're going to go have sex and you've known someone for seven hours or if you've known them for seven minutes, that makes a difference. Typically, yes. Typically. <laughs> I am the kind of slut that I've had many one-off experiences that were quite mind-blowing. But similar to what you were saying about, you know, when people congratulate the dude for getting the woman off. Yes. Like, the, I think why I keep having those great one-off experiences has a lot more to do with my own constitution, uh, sexually or otherwise, mm -hmm. and the ability to just connect with people quickly. Mm -hmm. <laughs> But usually, it makes a, a gigantic mark difference. <laughs> Seven hours versus, you know. I don't know what those birds are, but those are migratory. Those aren't usually here. Ooh. If I had to take a wild stab, I would say those look like maybe cedar wax wings. Actually, those look a lot like they might be. No, I think they're too big. All right, well, I know nothing about birds. Moving on. <laughs> um, have you ever had group sex feel really mechanical or awkward or have group sex go fairly poorly and, and do you have any sort of tips for avoiding that? 
Yeah, I mean, the times when it's gone mechanically, um, typically I was playing with more normie straight people mm -hmm. who were uncreative, basically. And mm -hmm. so the configurations followed more along please her and the couple slash him and find a way to sort of work in my own needs and stuff. Um, Do you feel like there were any um, power dynamics at play there? Just because we're talking about normative relationships, do you think there was a lot of like fear maybe of stepping on toes or anything like that? Oh yeah, I mean like, this wasn't a thing that we talked about at the time, but it's more commonly spoken about now, but like couples privilege. Like definitely, that's the power definitely. thing that was there that was dictating the experience outside of like any of our real expressed needs. Mm -hmm. The script was, this is a couple engaging mm -hmm. with me. Um, and and I would, I would actually say that more of my like mechanical and or failed group dynamics were not during the sex acts, but the communication around it. That's mm. where the couple's privilege stuff also really keyed in, in an extreme way. I've had like, I've had experiences where like we were all play partners in like a loose play party scene. And then like I would connect with one person in the couple. At the time, this was often with the mask person. Cause I just, I, I had been dating a femme for a long time and didn't feel as much motivation to explore what for whatever reason mm -hmm. um but yeah i would like get close to one person the couple and then the femme would start creating restrictions and like basically just find ways to disrupt connection and i don't and i don't say right. that as like they were actively trying to do that are you sure though i'm not i'm trying to be generous well, that's a very generous thought of you that they weren't intentionally trying to disrupt connection even though they were definitely having that effect yeah, yeah i mean yeah. i would say that there is an intention typically and this is me taking a guess literally not knowing you the situation <laughs> specifically and i mean not knowing you from that time period right and certainly not knowing the other people it is very very common for me to hear that femmes in very normative couples um will have really intense needs for security around this really shitty construction mm -hmm. of our society that the mm -hmm. only specialness is exclusion. Mm -hmm. And as soon as you lose exclusion, why would this person stay with you? And it's like, well, this person might stay with you because you're not exclusive. Yeah. Like if there's, if there's one thing that doesn't make sense to me, it's the notion that, wow, I've been so tolerant with this partner that I'm super into that they're really having a great time having sex with me. And I'm like, yeah, you can definitely go and fuck other people. And they're like, well, but what kind of man would want to be with a woman like that? <laughs> it's, it like shocks me every time. Yeah. I'm like, I, I get it. But like, if you're with a man who doesn't want to be with a woman like that, like maybe you don't want to be with that kind of a man. <laughs> like, yeah. but this is all yeah. through my own lens, right? Uh huh. Because oh. obviously there are going to be and again, this has been such a weirdly binary conversation because we're talking about gendered stuff. And when talking about gendered stuff, it's so much easier when doing binary stuff, I find. Yeah. Like to use binary labels. But it's very weird that neither one of us is a binary gender human and still. But we did live as binary humans. And That's like true. That's me true. until like three years ago, officially. Yeah. I, you Less know, honestly, than three years. Pretty similar for me, actually. About Aww. the same time period. Yeah. <laughs>
the pinchy feeling when they're grabbing the food so greedily is pretty cute. Because it's sort of like being pinched with like, um, you know those metal bobby pins that mm -hmm. like press and they open up, but they're like flat and not sharp. Right. So literally the ducks are mic'd right now. Ah! Okay, that's good. Do you want to? Um, I'm good. Run for you. <laughs> I like that you're like, I will enjoy my, my sadism by not feeding this one duck. Yeah, this one duck that is fed all day by hundreds of strangers. Right, right. So we're gonna go, we're gonna go up on the tower now, which is the highest sort of lookout point here in Rifle. And yeah, we should probably wrap things up as we do that. And uh, yeah, we can just sit on this bench so we aren't disrupting various humans' visits. Some of them may or may not have children. <laughs> um, I'm curious how you found the impact of race in dealing with these spaces that in my experience have also been predominantly white. Yeah. Though that's not true everywhere. Yeah, I mean, I didn't pick up on these things until years later, but um, my acceptance into the scene and like the ways in which people did pursue me and did not, I believe were like deeply, deeply racially um, embedded. Um, because, you know, I mean, it's pretty clear in how I've described myself that I'm very open, very down for lots of things, very enthusiastic. Um, I'm forward and direct, all of these kinds of things, which in a mixed race black femme package literally is like the epitome of exoticized. Like I'm an exotic type mm -hmm. and also a unicorn type. Right. So, just because of what you like to do, mm -hmm. and the way in which I communicate what I like, you know, I'm not demure. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm not particularly polite when I talk about sex. Like I'm raunchy and crass on purpose because it feels good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, um, and and all of that made me like the bee's knees in a party. Right. And outside of that, I was like garbage right. just didn't realize it <laughs> um oh. i was like exactly not dating material and oh, and i very much wanted to be dating people and i look back on the folks who did even try and i see i see why it went the way it did and why those people often ended up um breaking things off with me and then finding their partners i was like yeah it happened repeatedly Fuck. actually and even one of them uh, broke up with me and was like, I just can't see myself in relationships right now and I need to do do work. And it wasn't like a cop-out thing. It was like, a, I have had all these things in my life and I'm realizing. And nope, within like a year, not only had they found someone else, they fucking married them and brought them into the same sex party scene that we had wow. been in together. Yeah, yeah. And that person is a very demure, um, submissive type. I won't say more because that would be too descriptive of them, but like, right. Uh, uh, that's really, hello. Unfortunate. Yeah. 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 I believed that I'd found a scene where me being in, being in the ways that I just described was like 
celebrated and not confused with disposability. Mm. And that turned out to be deeply untrue. <laughs> oh, that's tragic and shitty. Yep. I'm sorry to hear you had that experience. Me too. Do you, do you think that that's been typical, not just of that one sex party, but of other ones that you've been involved in? Yeah, I wasn't describing one sex party. I was right. kind of describing a, uh, an arc of experience over multiple years. In multiple cities, I take it, or just in one? Um, the bulk of what I've talked about in this episode has been like recalling things from New York. Um, okay. But it, it still was true slash is true in Seattle. Um, I just, mm-hmm. I, had, I also got so picky and spoiled because of all the things that I described that mm-hmm. when I got to Seattle, I was just not as impressed, which in fact affected how much I tried to engage. Right. So I probably experienced less of the bullshit, but it was more because I wasn't engaging as much. Mm-hmm. Um, it's yeah. hard to find the right spaces. And, and I think the shittiest part about it is like white organizers almost can't create the spaces. Mm-hmm. Like, it pretty much needs to be leadership top-down. Yeah. So if you're dealing with, like, a group or a board, there need to be more POCs in that group or board to help inform the choices they make. Mm-hmm. Um, unless, unless we're talking about some pretty serious, amazing white allyship where someone other than that white person has called them an ally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, un- unless we're talking about that, where, like, this person has paid to go to anti-oppression seminars and has, like, paid to have a person of color who's an anti-oppression consultant come in and, like, actually make the event more anti-racist and more sort of hospitable to POCs, I think you pretty much have to have some POCs in leadership. And even then we're talking about like POCs vicariously leading from a position of being an anti-oppression consultant. Right, right. Um, Shoot, what was I going to say about that? POCs in leadership? Event organizing? Yeah, 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 yeah. one of the reasons why I still have a preference for homegrown parties is that even if they're white run because people are friends or friendly acquaintance like communal Mm. um, it cuts down on the racism and the sexism that Mm -hmm. would casually arise Mm. in a more public um, less connected setting right so like that's just one of the ways that I've kind of intrinsically kept myself safe and like once I understood that that's what I was doing just kept up in that vein Mm -hmm. um there because of where we are in our culture there just needs to also be POC only spaces and like I haven't been I'm not sure if I've actually been to an all brown play party which is sad we we were trying to organize one in vancouver um but their wires got crossed and the organizer thought they were organizing a queer only black and brown space and oops we had advertised that it was going to be a black and brown only space but we did not advertise it was going to be a queer only space because that was not included in the original correspondence that we received whoops so it ended up just being uh let's push it to another date and we'll do a queer only you know poc only party Mm -hmm. um because we've typically had for our queer only spaces we have queer swarm four times a year and we have a swallow event which is like swallow your pride names are so good and i've been hearing you know sex party names for over a decade now queer swarm <laughs> yeah the imagery good. of that is, is so good perfect and swallow your pride is just an ex 
excellent pun. We were and so nasty. So good. And then for Halloween, it's Swallow Your Fear. <laughs> so the Swallow events happen twice a year, and they're bigger and much more produced. I quite love them. And um, Torchness is the human that puts those on um, in concert with other volunteers, of course. Like, parties are never one organizer, but... But to my knowledge, Torchness is, is the one who primarily has run it in the past, if not is still. Yeah. And Xanthine has also played a large role in the past as well, helping get the party organized and started. What I was going to say is, like, though I haven't been in POC-only um, party spaces, I have been in Femme-only. Mm. And We have Babe Bang. Hmm? We have Babe Bang, which Ooh, is a them only. That's real good. See, you know what? All right, Vancouver slash Canada <laughs> winning. Um, we also have a pretty like queer-friendly city, I think. You do? I think so. I knew that before I visited Vancouver because I'd spent a couple of weekends in Toronto. Mm. And they have like commercial uh, sex party spaces, which are like, <laughs> as much as I was like dogging on like paid for sex spaces mm -hmm. having a dedicated um facility mm -hmm. that is just for that's um, different is different and i love it and toronto had a place and it was great that you know there's always some issues around like you know there's a, a cheaper deal for couples and mm -hmm. like men can't come in and they mm -hmm. just call them men but they mean cisgendered men um can't come in mm -hmm. without someone else like even mm -hmm. if they're not a play partner they have to mm -hmm. be accompanied that kind of thing and, and all that stuff is is tricky and dodgy but they had other rules around safety and consent and like monitoring the spaces that were just amazing and mm -hmm. it was a place that served alcohol right. and there wasn't like rampant over drinking which and is incredible and like there's a reason that the parties in vancouver so many of them are dry parties and mm -hmm. it's because that's how we've solved that is we're like cool mbk has no alcohol allowed i forgot to actually mention that but the majority of the home parties i went to were also dry or if mm. they had alcohol it was like you like no hard alcohol so there was like wine and beer right. and there was like explicit rules that like you cannot become wasted a little bit of drink is fine we're trusting you as adults no one's going to be tracking you but like if, we if you it. want to be getting wasted this is not the party for you to come up to yeah. we want people to be present and able to consent yeah and also just like there present they, they want right. yes thank you right. present yeah yeah, yeah. sort of for the experiences and for the people and for building that yeah. yeah 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 so i mean i guess if there was a tip or a thing that i liked or something else to to pull out of all of this is like low to no substance yeah you know and i'm i'm pro marijuana um so like I, i'm including that sure and and i think i think also that's a person to person thing like for yeah. me when i talk about consent and i use my voices framework when i talk about substances i talk about people taking all the substances that put them in their best decision-making frame of mind and not taking the substance for the people users sometimes that is like having a little bit will just put them into that like i'm not feeling anxious this is where i make my best decisions yeah oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah. so i try not to like police it specifically again it's one of those whole people are adults i'm not yeah. gonna be tracking them yeah but at the same time, it's also like, cool, I'm trying my best to be aware. And when I don't know, because I, I mean, especially if you're talking about new folks, because obviously the risk behind um, hookups and like connecting with people who you're much newer to is much higher 
than the risk behind connecting with people that you have some connection with already. Mm -hmm. You know, like hooking up. Something established. Yeah. A bare minimum of making out, being close physically. Right. If not fully, like, doing sexual acts. Right. And I think for people who are really worried about getting a no and they're worried about rejection, keep in mind that, like, a great way to say no sometimes, if this is right for you, and also no is a complete sentence, you don't need to preface it with anything or qualify it. But you can also say things like, we haven't built enough trust for me yet to do that. That is a squirrel. Oh. It's pretty good. You literally just pointed and and did the squirrel thing from the movie Up. (laughs) I did. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so another way to say no, um, if you're like, wow, I really am interested in how attractive this human is, but I know nothing about them and I don't want to do that thing yet with them. You can just say like, I don't feel like we've built enough trust for me to make a decision on that. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. I'm open to building more trust with you to get closer to that place. Yeah. Like there, there are a lot of words out there. And it's really normal to not have them because we weren't educated with them. Yeah. But that's what this is, right? It's giving you the words. Mm-hmm. So we'll do another one on creating sex positive events yourself and ways of making them feel welcome. And we covered a little bit of that this session, so we'll try and touch on different things next session. But let's go up to the tower now and then we'll eat some food and chill a little bit with the birds. And then on our way out, we can start recording another one. Mm-hmm. Yay. Thank you for listening. That squirrel looked like a raccoon, just to be clear. A (laughs) really small raccoon. It was dark colored, and I was just concerned. It was a big squirrel, and there have also been ferrets around here as well. Okay. Yeah. But those are more of a menace to birds and bird eggs and things like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It makes us all very sad. I think it got one of the crane eggs once, one of the sandhill crane eggs, and everyone was, like, crestfallen. Because, like, we love our sandhill cranes so hard. Yeah. Circle life. All right, let's walk up the tower. Yeah. That's going to be a thing now. I'm just going to have weird song and, like, media quotes for all of the episodes I'm in. Love it. Which is representative of talking to me, so... So how did you like it, Intimates? Leave your comments on facebook.com slash intimate interactions or directly on patreon.com slash Victor Salmon. Both communities are easy to find from intimatepodcast.com. So what are you waiting for? Go join the free Intimates community and start connecting with others. I'll see you on there. Disclaimer. I apologize if I said something that hit a nerve or played off a hateful idea or stereotype. I'm open to being called in. Chances are, in six months, I'll look back aghast and see something problematic I've since grown from. I'm certainly not perfect, but I am trying to be mindful of the voices I lift up and the perspectives I encourage. You can email feedback to podcast at victorsalmon.com. Thanks for your kindness. Attribution. The tracks I use are published under the Creative Commons Attribution License. The intro track was Lost Souls by Portrayal, and the outro track was Restoration by Uncle Milk. Land acknowledgement. I apologize first for any pronunciations I might butcher. I wanted to acknowledge that I recorded this podcast on the unceded traditional Coast Salish territories of the Musqueam, Kwantlen, Stazuminus, Stolo, Tsawasan, and Tsleil-Waututh nations. Shout out to the Sekwepmek Nation, on whose land I got my degree, considering the Kamloops Indian Residential School closed only in 1996 when I was 10, I have found nothing but unending patience and kindness in the Tekemlupste Sikwepmek folks with whom I've interacted. Let's never forget genocide in the hope we don't make the same dehumanizing, cruel mistakes again. Thank you.